Our epistle lesson from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 serves as our sermon text this morning. For the love of Christ compels us, because we came to this conclusion, one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died in their place and was raised again. As a result, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we knew Christ according to the flesh, we no longer know him that way. So then, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. And all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, inasmuch as God is making an appeal through us. We urge you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who did not know sin to become sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God that we consider again, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'll read verse 16 at this time. As a result, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we knew Christ according to the flesh. We no longer know him that way. This is the word of our God, and so we pray. Lord, sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, there's a classic case of misunderstanding. In the classic novel by Jane Austen, Pride and Prejudice, Elizabeth Bennet was a daughter, one of five daughters of the Bennet family. She, she was born in a time when a, a family and a, and a life thrives and, 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 and lives on inheritance. Of course, being one of five daughters, she didn't have any. And so their only hope was to marry into money or into means. Well, when she encountered a very wealthy man, she misjudged his reserved demeanor as being indifferent to her and being arrogant about his high station. Her own pride and her own prejudice was a classic case of misunderstanding. And it stood in the way of her happiness and of her family's prosperity. A simple case of misunderstanding can have tragic consequences. That was the nature of our relationship with God, too. Even from the time of Adam and Eve, a misunderstanding of God's good will for our lives brought sin and the most tragic consequences of separation from God and eternal death to be our lot. But God wouldn't have that tragedy play out. So he gave us his own son to restore a relationship. But even still today, there's a misunderstanding about God that is natural to our sinful, our human nature. 
There is that distrust in God. Despite his desire and his activity on our behalf, a a distrust that leads us away from God. But God has taught us differently. With his message of reconciliation, that beautiful, that, that simple, true words of the gospel of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection for us, to restore a broken relationship with God, that message of reconciliation, by it he has taught us to know Christ rightly. And that knowledge of Christ's love compels us to an entirely different direction. Yes, we know Christ rightly. What types of things compelled Paul before he was the apostle Paul? When Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the church, what was it that was compelling him? What was moving him to action, motivating him in his life? It wasn't love, it was hatred. He hated Christ. And so he also hated Christ's followers. And why did he hate Christ so much? Because he only knew Christ according to the flesh. He knew Christ as a man who stood in the way of the Jewish leaders and in the way of God himself and his purpose for his life. He only knew Jesus as that false Messiah, one claiming to be God, but who sought to destroy everything that he believed so strongly about God. He admits in our text, we knew Christ only according to the flesh. So he hated Jesus. But all that changed when he discovered Jesus, not according to these outward appearances that he had once known, not according to the flesh. As he said, even though we knew Christ according to the flesh, we no longer know him that way. No, he came to know Jesus in a different way. He tells us how he knows Christ now. For the love of Christ compels us because we came to this conclusion, one died for all, therefore all died. He came to know Christ and his love for him. This was true for us as well. We were once enemies of Christ. We hated him. And all our actions worked against him. We were motivated by a sinful, selfish love, a hatred of God and of Christ, and a love only for ourselves. Paul talks about these facts in another place, these realities. When he wrote to the Ephesians, he says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked when you followed the ways of this present world. You were following the ruler of the domain of the air, the Spirit now at work in the people who disobey. Formerly we all lived among them in the passions of our sinful flesh, as we were by nature objects of God's wrath. Yeah, we were objects of God's wrath because we followed the devil, that kingdom of the air. He was our master. He was the one we knew. He was the one we obeyed and the one we followed. But what a change took place for us. That's what's at the heart of that Greek word that's translated reconcile, which appears four times in our text. It's a thorough change, a complete change. But it wasn't God who changed. 
God thoroughly changed us. All these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. He loved us, rebellious though we were. In a relationship that had only hostility and strife, and all on account of our own sinfulness and rebellion, nothing on God's part, God reconciled us to himself. God thoroughly changed us as he restored that relationship with him that had been broken by our sin. So that Paul could say, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Yes, God, God sought to restore that relationship with us. God acted to accomplish that work in his own Son, Jesus Christ who took upon himself all of our sins, all of our hatred, all of our hostility, and all of our enmity toward God. He became sin for us. And then he died. He died for all of it, so that gone is our hatred and our hostility and all of our sin, so that we died to it too. There's such a powerful illustration of this reality, of this fact, in the Apostle Paul himself. One who at one time hated Christ. He sought to murder those who followed Christ, who believed in Christ. But God thoroughly changed Paul so that he became perhaps the greatest missionary for, for Christ. What a change in him. The old was gone for him. The new had come for him because Paul learned to know Christ rightly. And as powerful an illustration of his conversion is, his conversion for you is no less a powerful miracle. You who were once dead in sin have been thoroughly changed. You who were once an enemy of God and of Christ were thoroughly changed in Christ. God reconciled you to himself in Christ. He made you not to hate Christ, but to know his great love for you. And because of his love for you, then to be motivated not by hatred, but instead by love for him. For the love of Christ compels us what a change that was for Paul. What a change that is for us too. Yes, the knowledge of how much Christ loves us changes us to understand Christ rightly and to be moved to love him. Yes, that hatred is replaced by a new motive, a new drive. Let's talk about how powerful that motivator of love is. Hatred can drive us to do a lot of things. It can drive us to hurt or to, or to harm people by our words or our actions. It can destroy people, hatred. It can ruin relationships. It can produce wars. It's a very powerful motive. It, it can drive you to, to do great things, to excel out of jealousy or spite for another person. But hatred can never produce one act 
that is pleasing to God. Only love can do that. Only the love that Jesus has shown that brought you back to a right relationship, a right understanding of Him, that brought you back to a right relationship with Him, only that love of Christ can motivate you, can compel you to a work, to a life that is actually pleasing to God. Yes, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you at every point in your life. Even when He brings discipline to you. It's an act of love from Him to you. When you see that love of Christ behind every event that happens in your life, then you have come to know Christ rightly. When you know how Jesus gave himself up for you to to make you right with God, that love of Christ drives you and helps you to see everything in your life in a different way. If this Jesus, who gave his life into death on the cross for me so that I would have a restored relationship with God in heaven, if he did that for me in love, How could he ever possibly do anything to me in my life with evil intent in his heart? It is love for you that drove him to the cross. It is love for you that brought him forth out of that grave. It is love for you that drives him to guard you and to guide you through everything that you face in this life. Love. That is how we understand Christ rightly. Love compelled him in everything he did. So that when you know Christ rightly, when you know that love of Christ for you, when you understand it, it compels you in everything that you do. When you go home to clean up after everyone else in your life, It's Christ's love that compels you to clean up those messes because it was Christ's love who cleaned up the mess of your sin. That's what drives you and compels you in those things. When you go to your family or to your friends to patch up relationships that are damaged by your sinfulness, by your sinful words or sinful actions, it's Christ's love that compels you. Christ who thoroughly changed your relationship with God so that he would be pleased with you. When you go back to work to do that difficult job or that repetitive task, the busyness of work, Christ's love compels you to fulfill those duties with all diligence and faithfulness because you know of the full diligence and faithfulness that Jesus lived his life for you so that he would have true, perfect righteousness to give to your credit before the Father's throne in heaven. That's what it means to know Christ rightly. That's your motivator, the love of Christ. And it's so much more powerful and effective a motivator than anger or hatred or fear or guilt or anything else ever could be. No longer do we misunderstand God. 
No longer do we misunderstand Jesus or His direction for our lives. There was a time when we did not know, when we did not understand God rightly. There was a time when we could not understand Him, when we could only misunderstand, could only assume the worst about God and His will for our lives and as His activity in our lives. But no longer. In Christ, God thoroughly changed us. Now we know how much He loves us. Now we know Christ rightly. Amen. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Savior. Amen.